DJ Simulationistas. So, with Dr. D, Dan Raymer, and Dr. J, Janice Palaganis, coming at you from the Center for Medical Simulation in Boston, Massachusetts. So buckle up your mannequin, and let's roll. Welcome to DJ Simulation Needs to Suck. You're here with Janice Pelaganis and... Dan Raymer. How are you? The transition to the winter wonderland from summer paradise is a difficult one. I'm slowly getting there. Uh-huh. I suffered a, an injury on my return. From, from slipping on the ice? Not from slipping on the ice. My, slipping in the rain. Slipping in the rain. My dog. Your my, grandson. My grand dog. Hadn't seen me in several months and was so excited to see me. He came at me. I protected myself by getting down on my knee. In any case, I hit my knee on the floor quite hard and burst a bursa sack and I wound up with severe bursitis in my knee, uh, which still hurts. Oh, that's why you're hobbling. Yes. I'm sorry, Dan. It's not just old age, Janice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, it's good to have you back. So, Dan, we just taught a course, and I thought it was really interesting how we run the same simulations, and we run the exact same debriefings, and I just think it's so interesting how every course has their own team personality in a way where the debriefings and the simulations are different even though they're pretty standardized. I'm just wondering how much you think personality has to do with that, individual personality. I I certainly have had the same experience teaching in you know all sorts of groups, uh, uh, clinical courses and various specialties. It's amazing to me how Uh, We can do exactly the same case. I can do the debriefing using, you know, what after a number of renditions becomes pretty standard set of questions and and responses, and yet it feels completely different every time. And so I, I have little doubt that the collection of personalities in the room has a has a big effect on how it goes. All the groups that we teach are interprofessional groups. And I wonder, I believe that there is some sort of personality factor in self-selection of professions. And I've never monitored which types of professions are there. I mean, I have, but not, you know, in a anecdotal research method. And I've never thought about it in terms of personality and professions. So I I think, you know, everyone in healthcare has those what have become prejudices that uh, the surgeon is going to behave in a particular way, the emergency physician is going to deal in a certain way, the neonatal nurse is going to uh, have a certain kind of personality. And there's probably some truth to that, but I think from individual to individual, you never know. So there are certainly many, many instances where I've been surprised with the personality of the person from a particular specialty. 
maybe what we should be doing is giving a personality test before every simulation and debriefing, and then it'd be easier on us. No, I mean, I, I don't know how I feel about personality tests because exactly what you're saying in terms of people have stereotypes of, of the different professions. And I actually feel like personality tests would do that. It stereotypes. The very stereotype, at least in interprofessional education, that we're trying to break down in the debriefing, I think categorizing people generally that way, that's to me what personality tests do. And like you're saying, you'll always come across the individual that'll do something different. And that's to me what you look for. Yeah, I'm skeptical of... uh personality tests actually, you know, having taken them and had workshops on them over the years, they do tend to try to oversimplify something as complex and individual as personality. They do tend to take some set of behaviors and, you know, cram them into a into a category box and so that's often unfair. And so I think it can lead to the kind of negative consequence of it helps you stereotype or prejudice yourself to someone's personality. So my brother, who's an electrical engineer like you, and so I wonder if it is a career thing, he is like a Myers-Briggs expert, and he just goes around and diagnoses everyone. Everyone we know, everyone we come across. Did you know it was mom and daughter? No, really. They are mother and daughter, yep. That developed it around Jung's theory around personality. So I tell him, I'm like, can you stop MBTIing? So is this like an engineering thing? I mean, do you do that in debriefing? Do you like MBTI people? No, because I can never remember what the quadrants stand for. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't tend to do that. Although maybe there is a tendency of some people to want to categorize things and put them in their, you know, their uh, neat place. And that's certainly a characteristic that some people have. The other, the other thing to be skeptical about with these tests is how accurate are they? How reliable are they? You know, you, whenever I've taken them, I've always thought to myself, I could game this, I could be kind of playing to the test and I could uh-huh. I could fill it out differently you know several times in a row <laughs> if I took it you thought about lying on your personality test I've thought about it well I've thought about how reliable is this you know do people actually answer it in a way that is repeatable so from month to month year to year and I assume that Myers Briggs has been analyzed over the years, so yeah, that a lot of so that it has some good validity characteristics. But I always I always wonder how uh, repeatable they are. Right, and and I think also the issue of self assessment comes on what people espouse they think they would do and really do the opposite. Who knows? And. I've taken the Myers-Briggs probably four times in my professional career, and they have it's changed over the years. And your, it might change. Your yeah, score has changed. My, my indicator types have changed. You know, if I took it tomorrow, it might change too. <laughs>
people. So, so there's a certain <laughs> accuracy in that. Because knowing you as well as I've come to know you, uh, I would predict that you would be different on every day. <laughs> I never quite know what I'm going to get when I'm with you, you know. It could be this Janice or that Janice. <laughs> well, every time I take these, you know, personality tests, it's like, it depends. Yeah. Who is this person that I'm interacting with? So the value, I think, in thinking about this is that it does kind of remind you the intuitive notion that, you know, people are different and they approach problems differently. They have different needs in solving a problem. And so whether the tests are accurate or not is less important to me than reminding myself that each learner is going to view the discussion differently. Even if we come up with the very same answer, some people are going to want to analyze every aspect of the situation. Other people are going to want to jump ahead and pick the most relevant to them and solve the problem that way. Other people are going to want to have a very specific system to solve the problem. So I think everybody has different needs to solve a problem and sure. and whether we can accurately, you know, name them, name those ways is less important to me. So I like that way of thinking and doing personality tests opens minds to the fact that there are differences and to respect the differences as they go into processes of decision-making and development. And, and that's, I think it's the respect that is so important to team building. We all naturally operate from trying to understand how behaviors work and different people work and trying to categorize. Yet, to me, that's pretty intuitive. Like if I never studied Myers-Briggs, if we never did any kind of personality tests as teams, and if I didn't have a general understanding of all of these cat categorizations, I would already have my own taxonomies, I think. And to me, when you're working in teams, it's not how people can fall into a category. It's their quirks or their idiosyncrasies. And to me, I think teams that function well, it's really the tolerance level of the group or the other individual for that individual's idiosyncrasies. To me, healthy teams are able to really understand and uncover what those quirks are and either learn to love it or learn to function with it. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm not sure everyone appreciates, though, that, that we all have different needs based on our personality. And so I've seen educators that we have worked with who are very frustrated by the fact that some of the students don't respond to them or that they don't seem to learn in the way that that person is teaching. I've also seen situations on teams where people don't get along because they can't accept that, that some of their team members have quirks that are incompatible with how they see the world. 
I think just even appreciating that those personality differences exist and they affect how we work together is helpful. So we've done that here. I'd love for you to talk about it, Jan, because you've done it quite a number of times. I've only done it once with CMS. So, so, so by here, you mean our workplace. At yes, Center for, Medical, Center Simulation. for Medical Simulation. We have used personality tests in our group, our team, as part of some retreats we've held to try to see if that helps us work together. So it first started out back when CMS was first born in the early 1990s, and uh, we had a graduate student who uh, came to us wanting to do her PhD dissertation with us. And uh, I think we were maybe a year or two into doing simulation on a regular basis. She was a student of organizational behavior, and she said, gee, this is a great laboratory. I would love to study some of the characteristics of teams. And we said, wow, that's, uh, that's innovative. Sure, we would love to do that. Turned out she worked at this place called the Center for Creative Leadership, which is in Colorado, and they study, they work with companies, usually in the corporate world, and uh, leaders of companies to try to improve teamwork and leadership and things like that. And so we said, uh, you can do your PhD with us and we'll help you with it if you help us with our teamwork. So at the time when I joined CMS, I could tell within the first five minutes that our team was enthusiastic but terrible uh, <laughs> that we just we would have just blistering fights in the control room during a scenario arguing about whether the heart rate should go up or down don't or, awesome centers start that way <laughs> I, I, god i would hope not because it was such a horrible experience and so anyways we asked this person um if she would do a, a workshop with us on teamwork. Okay. And she did. Wait, and wait, I have to ask who asked her. Was it Jeff? Uh, Cooper? It probably was or, our uh, leader, Jeff yeah. Cooper. Okay, um, because I could see that in his personality to ask her to do that. Yes. And let me guess, you didn't, you didn't do any of the work until the morning of. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was no homework, as I recall. Um, <laughs> Or but, so you thought. But I, I, I do remember that we started on a Friday night and it continued into Saturday. And so Friday afternoon wow. into the evening, we played some sort of teamwork game that was supposed to demonstrate and measure how good a team we were. And apparently it was the worst performance she had ever seen. We completely failed the teamwork exercise. <laughs> um, and she had to stop the exercise before it was completed, something that also she had never seen before. And, um, it, it, and so it was certainly a demonstration to us that we had a lot of work to do and that we really better be better at teamwork before we started teaching other people about teamwork. So how did it help that time? So we, the next day, she administered a battery of personality tests, including Myers-Briggs, and there were a couple of others, as I recall. And she had us, you know, kind of line up according to our characteristics and various dimensions of our personalities. And, uh, and I remember it being extraordinarily helpful. 
And it was helpful to me because I wound up at one end of the line and this other fellow that I worked with quite closely, who we just never seemed to be on the same wavelength, he wound up at the other end of the line. And, <laughs> and, and facing the other way. Facing the other way. <laughs> and, and after that moment, I just had this revelation that he had very different needs than I did. He was very structured. He needed a, a lot of detail about every issue. And so long as that was provided, he was perfectly happy with me. And so I kind of changed the way I did things and I was much more explicit about things, even though my natural tendency would have been to speak in broadly and in abstractions. And so I kind of learned to work with him through knowing that he had a very different personality style than I did. And we got along really well after that. And so so I went into it incredibly skeptical of personality tests, but it, I thought it really helped me work with this one particular individual. So, I mean, this doesn't change my skepticism for it. It, it. it, in fact, reinforces it and also reinforces why I think it's useful just to have something that allows you to respect differences and to be able to work at it and have a common language to be able to work at it. I think that's true. I don't think that the specifics of our personality categorizations that we learned on that day were nearly as important than just realizing we had vastly different needs. And so we needed to change our the way we interacted with each other and find a new equilibrium. And we were able to do that. So uh, continuing on the story, we repeated the exercise uh, a few years ago uh, during your tenure at CMS. Uh, Jeff Cooper said we ought to do this again. And there's this new personality test that, um, uh, that he had experienced. And uh, it was called Personalysis. Okay. It's a commercial program. And they came in and did uh, personality profiles of all of us. The big difference between that and Myers-Briggs is the names of the categories are somewhat different, but it's done by color. There's also another difference, which is that it doesn't just measure a general personality type. It measures what you aim to be, how you've been socialized to be, and then how you are instinctively. So you get three different results, which I thought was pretty cool. The thing that we that stuck with everyone who works here, though... The, one, the thing we're is, obsessed about. Is the one <laughs> color that we're each associated with. Correct. And so, um, so I'll briefly explain the color, should I? If you're red, you're an um, authoritative kind of person. That is, when you solve problems... You choose an answer that seems to be the best answer, and you go for it. They're the kind of people that move quickly, that they don't wait for lots of discussion and consideration. They want to accomplish something. Um, if you're green, you have a very structured way of looking at things. Uh, people who are green 
uh, like to work with a checklist or a cognitive aid to make sure that they tick all the boxes um, that are associated with solving the particular problem that they're dealing with. People who are blue are the kind of people who love to analyze, and so they kind of want to look at each problem from every perspective that is available to them. Jeff Cooper, who, uh, who we know and love, was a, was a very blue person, and so sometimes uh, it could be frustrating. Come on, let's just make a decision. But Jeff wanted to make sure that he considered every possible dimension of whatever problem we were trying to solve. Uh, and then people who are yellow are sort of the whatever category. They kind of can go with the flow. They can see things uh, uh, in multiple ways. Nothing is really very black and white. And so decision-making kind of is a bit intuitive. And so they don't pay a lot of attention to detail. Um, and they move in the yellow direction, the whatever direction. Uh, it turns out you and I <laughs> have almost Team identical... <laughs> Mostly yellow with some blue, uh -huh. absolutely no green, <laughs> and or a red. tiny bit of red. <laughs> and, uh, and that's different than most of the people that we work with here. So I don't know about you. I want to hear if you find it useful. But it does help remind me that when a particular individual and I are working together, that they, in fact, might want more detail that I'm typically inclined to give, that they might want to consider more alternatives than I might consider, or with some individuals, they don't want to hear all that analysis, they want to move forward. And so I do think I play to the colors a little bit, and maybe it's a combination of knowing them and the color that they're labeled with but I find it a bit useful. I mean, I, I definitely find it useful in terms of team building because I think it gives us humor, it, we laugh about it, we also take pride in our colors, <laughs> we point out our colors, we name teams after our colors like you, me, and Brad Morrison, who's as yellow as yellow can be as well. We're team gold because we're the yellow team. And then when you, me, and Jenny teach because she's got blue and green in there. We're team turquoise, so I think that's fun. And and um, and it does make, it. if anything, it makes me curious as to which color combinations and clusters work, work very, very well together and which don't, and you know, which ones need to work a little bit more. Don't I think- you, Don't you think that any color combinations can actually work well together if they recognize that they're working with different personalities? Absolutely, and so that's why I think there's value in it, you know, whether or not it's the actual test, uh, probably, I'm still skeptical about it. And I mean, theoretically, if you have an even balance of all of these four colors, let's say, if we were going with personalysis, then you should be a highly functioning team in, in some way. Uh, but I, I think the value in it is, uh, you know, the individuation of it where you're 
you have like the self-awareness as you go through the process of who you are and who other people are and the differences and having respect for that. Now, there is a book that I just read by Naomi Quink called Was That Really Me? And she talks about how everyday stress brings out our hidden personality. Hence this, you know, idiosyncrasy thing. Everybody has quirks and- I don't. <laughs> that was a quirk. Touche. Personality flaw. Touche. <laughs> and if we had this other, you know, personalysis on quirks that we've uncovered over the years and tolerance levels, that to be, to me, would be much more useful than Quirk. stereotyping. Quirkosalysis. But it does, you know, it, and it does um, allow us to discuss what would have previously been undiscussable. To say, you know, you're very red right now, or you're very green and too green for me right now. <laughs> I'm going to walk away. And, or, you know, talking about the differences between two people in a team and to be able to have that discussion on how to actually work together. I think uh, a great case in point is when you and Brad and I uh, teach together and we're all so yellow and there's not a, not a dot of green kind of checklist, all the details need to be taken care of amongst us. We all recognize that and somehow we all step up to do those things that don't come naturally to us. We take the we green keep... injectors and we start <laughs> IV infusing. We, we, <laughs> we, we keep time. We make sure that we hand You're everything right. out. We do all sorts of things to compensate for our personality styles. And we joke about it. Like, True. you know, when we first meet, we say, uh-oh, who's going to be the green person on this team um, and you know because we don't have one <laughs> from a communication standpoint it's been very useful from actually a knowledge standpoint and application honestly I'm not sure it would have changed much because I think we all have the natural ability we all have our operating systems and we would be able to pick up on the fact that you and me were not you know, strict timekeepers and we'll, we're much more flexible and we would have stepped it up anyway. That, that's probably true. And I think that, that the fact is that you don't have a stitch of green on your personalysis, but I've seen you operate and you can be very detailed and you can take care of all sorts of organizational things quite competently. And so, so, so even though, <laughs> even though the... The test, <laughs> the test doesn't measure that accurately. Um, we all we all have the capability to operate in different ways. Absolutely. And if I took the personalysis fifteen years ago, I probably would have been very green. That uh, would have that's been That's where it is. <laughs> it's a suppressed green. <laughs> well, but you know, I feel like sometimes personality tests when I get them back, it feels like a horoscope, and I just feel like. Oh, that's mm. me. Nah, not really me. But yeah, 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 I, I can be green. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and I think when we read them, when you read the results, you tend to look at the positives, right? And you're like, yeah, yeah, me. And uh, then when it's like negatives, you're like, nah, not so much. 
And they are a little bit like a horoscope or a fortune teller kind of thing because they're so general categories that you can sort of fit yourself into whatever it says. Hmm. And so I think that's part of the weakness of them. I still think there's there's use in, in them. We found them to be useful and every simulation center should do some sort of well, personality I definitely, testing. And I do. I think it's good for team building. It's good for communication. It's good for team spirit. And especially with simulation centers because they're so small typically and you rely so much on, uh, you know, to a higher degree on people's personalities and quirks and um, strengths and weaknesses and propensities and that sort of thing. So I, I do think that it is a great team building. We could probably do equally as well if we did a um, restaurant test. So I know we have some people who are tree huggers and only eat vegan. Quinoa. And, uh, uh, quinoa and other people who like a, you know, a big fat hamburger with french fries. Like you. And like me. I think we've characterized these tests as being helpful, but um, maybe not scientifically uh, <laughs> meaningful. <laughs> All right, Dan, I'm downloading right now your Myers-Briggs test. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll report out to the listeners uh, in the next episode what you are. DJ Simulationistas, sup, is brought to you by the Center for Medical Simulation. Find out more about CMS and learn about our simulation instructor training and course offerings at www.harvardmedsim.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.